Mornings, the Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. Hope you got a great Thanksgiving planned. Again, we'll get you updated on the traffic. We're going to make sure you get to where you're going, keep you entertained and informed, keep it locked to KTAR. And I want to remind you that during King Lasix season of saving Lasix for both eyes, right now, just $3,500. That's a $2,000 savings. You couple that savings with 0% financing for 24 months on approved credit. LASIK with Dr. King is only $146 per month. Go to kinglasik.com slash Arizona for complete details. Want to get back to the election. I'm looking at the page of elections that are still left outstanding after all the votes have been counted. And there are three of them statewide. Um, Chris Mays and Abraham Hamaday. The two candidates locked in this very close race for attorney general with over two and a half million votes cast. The lead for Chris Mays, the Democrat, is only 510 votes. That is remarkably close. And he has filed a lawsuit in Maricopa County because of the what happened with the elections in Maricopa County and the mistakes that were made. And I want to go over this very quickly. If you're not as familiar with what what's gone on, they had issues with the printers at multiple locations across Maricopa County where the printers were not printing properly. So when the ballots were inserted in the tabulation machines, the tabulation machine rejected the ballots. They were not taking and counting the ballots. So many of those voters, as many as 17,000 total, not all of them with these printer issues, but the majority of them with printer issues, had to put their ballots in an envelope and drop it in what was called drawer three. And then they were counted at a later date. But they were counted. Now, the question in this lawsuit, now, if you look at the other races that are still outstanding in Maricopa County, um, Tom Horn, um, already Kathy Hoffman, the the incumbent Democrat for and superintendent um, has already conceded the race to Tom Horn, but it's going to an automatic recount because of the laws in Arizona. So here's the difference. Just about the same number of votes, uh, two and a half million votes cast uh, in this race for superintendent. The lead for Tom Horn is almost 9,000. So if a 9,000 vote difference out of 2.5 million kicks in an automatic recount, 510 votes is nothing. I'll get back to that in a moment. And then in District 13 in the House of Representatives in the state legislature, Liz Harris was declared the winner with 32. Well, I shouldn't say that. There's a Democrat that won the overall with 35, but the top two go on to the office. Liz Harris came in second with 32.57%. And then Julie Willoughby also a Republican had 32.3. So two tenths of a point, two tenths of a percent is the difference. So that is going to go to a recount as well. So let's go back to why I think that Abe Hamaday, if there's anybody out there in a race that has a right to complain, it's Abraham Hamaday. And here's why. With 510 votes out of two and a half million. But when you narrow it down to the number of votes cast in Maricopa County, when you look at uh, what happened, um, in Maricopa County, there was a million and a half votes cast in that race. 1.57, 1, 1,507,829 votes were cast in Maricopa County. And on election day, it was a heavy Republican um, vote turnout. And when you see that happen, 
Um, and then that was the time where there were troubles. I would imagine that they have – there's going to be a, a complaint saying, hey, listen, if we were the majority Republican on Election Day, you mean to tell me out of a million and a half voters that were able to cast their vote, there weren't more than 500 that were disenfranchised because of the machine problems. Now, whether or not that's grounds for what would happen next, whether it's a revote, I have no idea because I've never seen anything like this. The bigger issue for me is the way we handle these elections because I just was mentioning the race and the recount in District 13 between Liz Harris and Julie Willoughby, the two Republicans that are neck and neck for that final seat in the state legislature. This is this gives the Republicans a one-seat majority in the House of Representatives. Liz Harris has already said she will not cast any votes. She is not going to cast any votes until there is a revote. Um, um, so I'm just trying to think of I'm trying to look at where I had a, a where she was looking at what she was talking about. Um, Republicans who don't like the election results must move on from these cheap political games, said a a. Uh, a representative from Tucson, but Liz Harris says believes she's in the catbird seat and that she is going to hold up these votes and she's not going to vote. But the only party it's going to hurt if she does that is the Republican Party. So I don't know how it does any good. And so we'll see. We will see how this all turns out. It, it, it's fascinating to me. But the other part of this is the voting machines, the tabulation machines. Before the election, the machines are certified. We know that two counties, Cochise County first and then Mojave County standing in solidarity. Are good. Mojave County says we had a good election. We had no problems. We're not Maricopa County. We had no problems. But standing in solidarity with some other counties, we're going to delay certifying our vote. They're going to certify it. There's no doubt. They said they're going to. They're just going to wait till the deadline. So. The mixed message. And listen, anybody, if you're new, if you just happen to be listening while you're driving for the first time, I am a dark red Republican voter. I was named Volunteer of the Year for the AZGOP in 2004 because of my volunteering on the Bush campaign. I don't didn't deserve it. There were many people that worked harder than me, but that was my investment in the party. So I'm not somebody that's centrist or left. I'm just somebody that's a realist. And you've got to look at how things have been done. If you are complaining and the Republican Party has complained and complained and complained and saying that the elections take too long to count in Arizona, we need to count faster, we need to certify faster, we need to know who wins. And Mojave County did just that, but they won't certify as a sign of solidarity with other people. I don't get that. I don't understand it. And when you are a party official, Maricopa County, the the chair of the Maricopa County Republican Party says, well, I'm not going to certify the machines because now I don't think that the certification process goes deep enough to certify that the machines do their job and they're not tampered with. But this is all after the fact. This is where my problem is with this. It's like asking for the maintenance documents on an airplane after you land. At your destination, if you have concerns about the safety of an airplane, wouldn't you ask to see the maintenance documents before you got on the plane? Not after, not once you got on the ground to where you were going as a complaint to get your money back for your plane ticket. If Maricopa County had a problem with the tabulation machines and they had a problem with the certification process, why didn't they ask questions before the first vote was counted? This is the appearance that is now being given to voters in Arizona.
And I'm being selfish here. I'm being selfish because I don't want to see Republicans lose again. I warned that if we keep focused on 2020, we're going to lose 2022. The two best performing Republicans in the statewide races, Tom Horn, who's in a runoff but is winning. He's been declared the winner, and his opponent has conceded this is going to be more of a verification. He only won by 9,000 or a little less than 9,000 votes, but Tom Horn is one of the best performing Republicans. The other was the highest vote getter of them all. Right now, the Democrats in statewide races are beating Republicans four to two, depending on what happens with the Hamaday Mays race. Four to two. But the number one vote getter out of all statewide candidates, we're talking about Mark Kelly for Senate. We're talking about Katie Hobbs and Kerry Lake in the governor's race and how heated that race was, how much money was poured into those races. The number one vote getter of either political party is a Republican, and it's the state treasurer, Kimberly Yee. And what do Kimberly Yee and Tom Horn have in common? Two things. Number one, they did not obsess about a stolen election. As a matter of fact, I never heard either one of them really talking about it. And number two, they were the only two candidates on the Republican side that were not Trump endorsed. That's not a knock on President Trump. It's an observation to what voters in Arizona want. And election integrity was not their number one issue. And when you focused on that, those are the people that you focused on. You drove other people away that could be voting for you. The Republicans turned out. Kimberly Yee got more votes than anyone else, which meant Republicans and mass voted for her and independent voters voted for her as well. And I just believe if the Republican Party doesn't look at that and look very, very carefully, they're going to lose in 2024. And I don't want to see that happen from my own political perspective. In a moment, we're going to go back to the economy. How serious would a rail strike be? But also, what are the most expensive things that are crippling people's bank accounts? We're going to talk about those next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us here on the Mike Broomhead Show as you head out of town. Hopefully you uh, are having some great plans and you're going to take it easy, take it slow. We'll get you updated here on traffic, get you the news and get you informed and entertained as you head to your destination for Thanksgiving. Um, bottom of the hour, we are going to talk about a great event we have coming up called Red and Blue Day at the Zoo. We're going to talk with Christy, uh, Christy Hayden from the Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium and Safari Park out in the West Valley. It's a place I love very much. I want to talk to her at the bottom of the hour. This is affects first responders all across the valley. So make sure you're listening coming up as we're going to talk about that at 1035 and a big event we have coming up supporting first responders. Um, I want to shift quickly to the economy because it's something that's concerning everyone. As many people are on the roads right now, the stories have been out for days now that fuel, gasoline, is more expensive now than it's ever been on Thanksgiving weekend. For many families, it's going to break the bank. Um, Heating oil in the coldest parts of the country are immensely expensive in people's concerns. I, I try to be as fair as I can. I'm not going to hide my political leanings, and I can back up my opinions many times, I think, with information that I consider to be facts about the economy, and we all have opinions on what's best. But I want what works. I just want what works. 
when you look at the four years of the previous administration for all the flaws and all the mean tweets and all the things that people disliked, obviously disliked because they voted for a different president. You look back on those day, on those days and you have to acknowledge that the policies of that administration helped foster gasoline that was under $3 a gallon for all four years, including pre-COVID when they, it was going gangbusters in the economy. There was no inflation. That is just a fact. If you want to blame COVID for part of it, supply chain issues on the other side of it, fine. You can blame some of those things. Russia and Putin's price hike, you want to blame that? That's obviously got something to do, especially with the heating oil and some of the diesel fuel costs. But the Biden administration's policies on climate change and otherwise, and their full frontal assault on the fossil fuel industry contributes immensely to the cost increases. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it just you look at the dramatic reduction in the refining of diesel fuel. Our capacity is diminished so much. There is like a 26 day supply, which is a critically low, dangerous number. And yet. Nothing is being done to foster the relationships with those industries. So you look at some of the other things. There is hyperinflation and eggs leading into the Thanksgiving holiday. Doesn't sound like a big deal maybe to you um, because it's a couple of dollars more that you are spending. What about restaurants? What do you think restaurant chains are doing right now? Uh, you go to some places that, that serve breakfast. There are a couple of great breakfast places that I like to hit up. Uh, with first watch breakfast places here around town. There are chains of restaurants. What do you think it does to their costs when you see hyperinflation in one of their key ingredients? It is immensely destructive to the bottom line. You couple that with what the delivery costs are now because diesel fuel is so expensive, and you get what we have right now. And I, I mention this fairly often as well, but I do find it ironic that the president of the United States has asked our enemies, and they may not be military enemies, but they certain are, are certainly are moral and economic enemies of people that just don't like us, the Iranians being one of them, the new government in Venezuela, which can't stand our government and the way it operates. To some extent, the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, uh, the Saudis, the OPEC nations, Russia, the president has gone to multiple nations with hat in hand and very humbly and very nicely because you're supposed to ask nicely when you want something, has asked them to increase. Increased production, which they said no to or didn't even take the phone call. Those nations, as a matter of fact, got together and decided that a reduction in oil producing was the way to go, and they did that. They reduced production. The president asked them to do that after these midterm elections. They didn't wait. And then instead of having the same type of relationship and going to the American oil companies and saying to them, in the name of patriotism, we've got to get something done for the American people. What can we do? What kind of a deal can we make so that you can get back up producing the way you were before and refining fuel, especially diesel, so we have more than a 26-day supply? He didn't. What he did was he took to the airwaves and said the two things that are causing the expense in America and the rising cost, there's two things, Putin's price hike and price gouging and profiteering by the oil companies. The guy, the senator-elect Fetterman in Pennsylvania, vowed if he was elected that he would haul food growers and the oil companies and put them in jail for profiteering. So you demonize American companies and you go to our enemies with your hat in your hand. That doesn't make any sense to me. 
It makes uh, demonizing American corporations because they make money doesn't make sense to me either. And and the fact of the matter is the very same oil barons, the very same oil companies and their boards of directors and CEOs, the very same oil companies that for four years of the Trump administration sold you and I gasoline for under $3 a gallon for all four years are now the very same companies that are raking you over the coals. What changed? What changed? They weren't profiteers for four years under Trump, but they're profiteers now under Biden. This is the problem about us discussing what works. What is it that works? Great conversation I hope you'll have with us in just a couple of moments as my friend Christy Hayden joins me on the show uh, from Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium. It's a place that I absolutely love anyway. But what they help us do to thank the men and women that are first responders in our neighborhoods and just a day for these families at the zoo is an incredible thing. And I want you to hear from Christy. She's going to join me next. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks so much for being here. Um, uh, we are very first responder oriented here at KTAR, and especially here on the Mike Broomhead Show. I come from a law enforcement family, and the firefighters and the first responders all across the state of Arizona have my utmost respect. And uh, joining us in trying to help uh, thank them for the hard work they do in their communities and helping them with their families, we have something coming up called Red and Blue Day at the Zoo with our friends out of the Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium and Safari Park. Joining us right now is Christy Hayden. Christy, welcome back. Thank you. So excited to be here. And sorry I didn't call in earlier. I was out potty training a sloth. I didn't hear <laughs> I've heard I've heard a lot of excuses in my life. Potty training a sloth has never been one of them. So that's a, something new. Um, right? Let's, I'm a little out of breath still. I came running in here to call you. Let's let's talk about this. The second year that we've been doing this together, and it is an amazing program because you're allowing first responders and their families into the zoo for free. The availability the rides and everything that you have to offer all day long on the 10th of December. Yes, we are so excited. We're going to let the first thousand first responders in, and then they can bring three of their family members, unlimited rides. It's just a small way we can give back to them because they give back to us in a big way every day. So we're really looking forward to it, and we'd love partnering up with you to do that. It's so much fun, and what's great about it is there's no big program. You know, it's everybody always wonders, what's the catch? There's no catch. I mean, show your badge, show your identification that you're a first responder, and you and three guests get in for free into the zoo. All the rides are available. you got to buy your food and the drinks during the day, but everything else is available, and it's just our way to say thank you to the great people that do such good work. Absolutely, and if they want to bring a big group, we're also going to be doing a toy drive for the Salvation Army. We're teaming up with Rural Metro, and we're going to give people up to $20 off their admission if they're not a first responder or part of that group of three. Uh, $5 per person, so you can bring a brand new toy wrapped, either that Saturday or Sunday. So it's really just going to be a weekend of giving back, but we're really looking forward to Saturday and saying thank you to everyone. Well, you know how much I love that zoo. Bringing my grandkids. My grandkids love that place. What's new? It's been a while since I've been out there. What's new at the zoo? Okay, so with over 6,000 animals, there is always a new baby. So we have three baby giraffes that people can come out and see. We also have rideables now. So if you don't feel like walking the zoo, because it's over 100 developed acres, 
you can rent a rideable, go cruising around. And it really solved one of our transportation problems because people were saying that it takes two days to see everything. Mm-hmm. So now you can get a rideable and see it all in one day. You know, and um, what I love about the zoo is the diversity of what you have to offer, especially in the summertime, because so much of it is outside and interactive with the animals. But then you go into the aquariums, you go into the sea lion exhibit, and it gives you a chance to cool off, but also see things you wouldn't see in many other places. You have an albino alligator. I mean, it's just a cool place. It is, and we do special sea lion shows for the Red and Blue at the Zoo Day, which is a lot of fun. We have a special guest come and take over the sea lion show, and our aquarium is on point right now. It just got fully renovated, brand new floors and walls, and it's a great place if you want to just kind of escape and relax and be surrounded by water and calming music and there's no one's barbecue over there so you can go grab a drink at the bar you know and i it's what's funny is i forgot about that special show that you do at the sea lion exhibit and i don't want to give it away but that special guest is one of the coolest little things i've ever seen in my life I know it's so adorable. I cannot wait for everyone to see it. So it's December 10th. People go to the contest page at KTAR.com. But the simple thing is, if you're a first responder, the first 1,000 families that show up, show your identification, get into the zoo, and all of the rides are free for you and your family throughout the day. It's our way to say thank you. And and I I can't thank you enough, Christy. When we came to you and, and asked you guys to partner with us, there was absolutely no hesitation because this is a big undertaking for you guys. It's an expensive uh, undertaking for you. But you didn't even bat an eye. You just said yes immediately. Oh, we love the idea. And we love that we can partner with you guys and get the word out and get as many first responders out here as we could. Because it is, it's such a great way to give back. They can come out, bring their families not have to worry about anything and the timing's perfect right before the holidays so i mean like i said earlier it is a small token of our appreciation compared to what the first responders give back to everyone else and and i you know i've learned my brother and his wife are exactly the same way as first responders if you want to do something nice for them do something nice for their kids and the kids just love that zoo i love it too 303 in northern i forgot to mention where it's at it is one of the coolest places in arizona it is, and I'm partial, but you get so close to the animals. We have Arizona's largest exotic animal collection, and we have a bunch of rides and a safari park, a nursery, and it's going to be a good time. So we want everyone to get out here right at 9. That's when we open. And then, of course, over at the education stage at 10 a.m., that's when you and I are going to welcome everyone, and it's going to be a really good time. All right, Christy, thank you for jumping on with us, and uh, get back to potty training that sloth. Right? It was actually a success. Our training session ended well. That's good. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that's good to hear. Thanks, Christy. Thanks. Talk soon. All right. Bye. That is Christy Hayden from Wildlife World Zoo and Aquarium and Safari Park out at the 303 in Northern. It is really one of my grandkids' favorite places to go. If you've never been, you've got to take your family out there. It is such a great atmosphere, interactive with the animals. But especially if you're a first responder or know a first responder, let them know about this day. It's all free for them. The rides are free. The entrance to the park is free. It's your day. Just our way to say thank you to all of the first responders here in the Valley. The first 1,000 families to get there early and uh, it should be a great time coming up in a few moments we're going to finish the hour by going back to our conversation we had earlier about the division in this country over COVID-19 and treatments Dr. Fauci speaking yesterday and and talking about the division in the country and then he said something I thought was a little bit divisive so we're going to talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments (laughs) 
Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending part of your day with us. Hope you're heading out to a great time for this Thanksgiving weekend. If you're on the roads traveling right now, keep it locked at KTAR.com. We'll keep you informed and entertained. We'll make sure you get those traffic reports so you know what's going on ahead of you. Get you to your destination as quickly and safely as possible uh, as you travel along. I want to talk about COVID-19. COVID is still out there. Um, we had so many fights, and this was the part of this that bothered me because I I got it from both sides. Let's be I want to be very clear. It wasn't as if just one side was being unreasonable. I got it from both sides. Um, and let me explain. I went on the air and I voiced my opinion that people have a right to choose what they put into their body. If they don't want a vaccine, you shouldn't force them to get a vaccine. And for whatever reason they believe that, and this was at a time when we were being told this was what was going to stop the spread. The shutdowns too weak to stop the spread that turned into two years, the masks, and then they said vaccines. The vaccine was going to stop the spread of COVID-19. And there were people out there that just didn't want to get a vaccine. They didn't like wearing masks and I fought for their right. I defended their right to say no. They were called murderers. They were told uh, there were people screaming at the top of their lungs at people that were unmasked. It was They were unhinged about this. They were told parents were told that they should not only lose their jobs, they should lose their children. And it was just, it was just such a weird time. But I also, as I defended those people, that didn't want to get a vaccine because I know a lot of people that are anti-vax and they're reasonable, good people. They're very good. I don't know why I got to keep saying that about people just because they disagree with you doesn't make them crazy or evil or dangerous. It makes them wrong in your mind. And so we had a big battle. But on the other side of that, I went out and I got vaccinated. I went to State Farm Stadium at that time when they were going out in the middle of the night before the radio show. I went out in the middle of the night, woke up very early, sat in line, got my vaccine, went back however many weeks it was later, got my second shot, the booster, and then got a third booster on top of that. Because we were told that was going to keep people safe. And I did that because of the public life that I lead and my desire to be out in public, that if there were people out there that were concerned, I could honestly say to them, I've been vaccinated. And there were people that were part of the anti-vax crowd that lost their minds at me. Like I was some kind of a traitor because I would dare get the vaccine. And I told them the same thing. I told the anti or, or the pro-vax people, mind your own business. I'm telling people that you have a right to do with your body whatever you want. So do I. If I decide I want to get the vaccine, that's on me. That was my decision. What has um, tempered my enthusiasm has been the fact that we've been told a bunch of different things about the vaccine. We were told that you that it prevented people from getting COVID-19 and spreading COVID-19. And we now know that that's not necessarily 100% the case. We know that it prevents uh, or it reduces the severity of symptoms and there's other things we know that it does. But I don't think that we were dealt with honestly. That's just my feeling on it. But what I found interesting about this was Dr. Fauci saying that the politics of COVID is where he had a problem. And this is what he said. 
So when I see people in this country, because of the divisiveness in our country, of not getting vaccinated for reasons that have nothing to do with public health, but have to do because of divisiveness and ideological differences, as a physician, it pains me because I don't want to see anybody get infected. I don't want to see anybody hospitalized, and I don't want to see anybody die from COVID. Whether you're a far-right Republican or a far-left Democrat, it doesn't make any difference to me. He didn't like the politics of it. He made a statement yesterday also saying the real danger is the people who have not been vaccinated. If we're going to see a problem this winter, it's going to be among those people. So you go back and you demonize and vilify people that you don't agree with. There are physicians, there are a lot of physicians out there, and I've talked to many of them, that think that the vaccine is a very valuable tool to use in diminishing the effects and the spread of COVID-19. I also have talked to his doctors, medical professionals that believe that you shouldn't take the vaccine. There have been side effects, just like there are with every medication. And that's the other part of this is I don't believe that this vaccine is evil. And there are people out there that do. But I also don't believe that anti-vaxxers are evil. And there are people out there that do. The live and let live mentality of Americans, you got to protect yourself. We've never done anything in this country. We said, you got to protect other people. You know, going to the HIV epidemic, when HIV turned into AIDS and it was a deadly virus, what was the message across America? They had celebrities, they had uh, movie stars, they had all these people doing these public service announcements. And what were the public service announcements? Protect yourself. Every single time, protect yourself. Don't count on somebody else to protect you. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Now here we are, 21st century, and these battlegrounds that we have drawn from each other, and it's you got to protect everybody else. You have to wear a mask to protect everybody else, not yourself. You have to do this to protect other people. And if you didn't, if you didn't go along, you were seen as an outlier, and they ripped you to shreds. Now, again, not only did I get vaccinated— I wore the mask everywhere I was asked to wear a mask. Everywhere I was asked to wear a mask. So I was vaccinated and boosted. And in this building for a time, we had a policy that if you were in a common area, you had to wear a mask. Sitting at your desk at your workstation, especially here in the studio, I didn't have to wear a mask. But when I walked around the building, even though I was vaccinated and boosted, I was required to wear a mask. Well, I will tell you something. I disagreed with that policy. But... They're the boss, number one. And number two, that's the only disagreement I've ever had with this company. This is a fabulous place to work. So I did what I was asked. So I wore my mask where I was told to wear my mask, whether I believed that it was doing any good or it didn't. I was vaccinated. I was boosted. I did everything I was asked to do. And yet I believe somebody else has a right to disagree and not comply Call me crazy that I believed that that was still someone's right. That if you're someone that doesn't want to take an injection, you shouldn't have to. And I I just believe that is kind of the cornerstone of who we are as a nation. If you're a parent and you don't want to vaccinate your children, the only people at risk are your children. This idea that you have to do this for everybody else or you're an outlier and you're deadly and you're a murderer and you're killing people is absurd. And we got to knock it off. COVID's not going away. It's not the pandemic that it was, but it certainly isn't. um, It isn't something that should divide us. Coming up, we're going to talk about the election. Stick around.